Welcome back to the Exit 52 podcast. It is Wednesday, my dudes, November 15th. The boys are recording live. We got a little bit of drama for your mama. We got some fun stuff coming in and an exciting announcement for next week as well. As we're approaching Thanksgiving, it is Spencer Schultz. I am joined by one Thanksgiving B, one Eric Arditi as well. Fellas, how we doing? Doing better than I did two days ago. Uh, picked myself off the map a little bit. Um, I know I was no show on Sunday afternoon. Uh, took a one-way ticket to Snoozeville, as one does after being in the Bud Light touchdown section um, and taking a big L the way that we did. But uh, no time to pout about it. Got to get back on the horse, and uh, we'll be back out there a lot each tomorrow and getting after it. and. Trying to wrap up a big W against the, uh, I mean, this is a vengeance game, is it not? I don't know about a vengeance game, but it's a deciding game in the 2023 season, I would say. This game, to me, we'll get into the preview a little bit later, but this game to me is like, if the Ravens win this and move to 8-3, and three, sweep the Bengals, punch the Bengals into 5-5, five and five, and pretty much probably clawing for a wild card spot, Deshaun Watson out for the year with a fractured, I think the ball and socket joint is what I read, like the glenoid, some weird term, but it's like the actual joint of it. Uh, Browns, you know, Steelers, whatever. Maybe the Steelers can just keep pulling the horseshoes out of their butt like they always do. But a loss makes this just as muddy as maybe the NFL wants and what we're kind of used to in the AFC North for a lot of its history. So interesting, interesting stuff there. Eric, the Orioles picked up a couple pieces of hardware, which we wanted to definitely talk about after notching a hundred win season, clinching the number one overall spot in the AL and Hey, not having things end the way you wanted to running into an absolutely righteous Texas Rangers team. that obviously goes on to make history there. The Orioles won a couple of awards. What are your initial thoughts on the fellas taking home some, some hardware? Yeah, it was it was cool to see them get recognized. Um, obviously, Gunner bringing home Rookie of the Year unanimous. I didn't know if I thought he would be unanimous or not. Um, I thought I thought that was really cool. You know, when I kind of figured he would win it. I think I mean he was obviously the odds-on favorite most of the year, um, even when Young was playing well and and not hurt. But winning it unanimously is is pretty sick. And I think both guys did. I think him and Corbin Carroll did. Um, that was cool to see. Again, he was. I think they said he was batting a buck 70 at, at like uh, May 12th, I think. And then from there, we, we know what he did. He just took off. He got way more aggressive um, at the plate, was making contact, was hitting balls out of the yard, was was pretty much I, – I blogged about it. It's, it's, I said it seemed like every time they needed a big hit or a big home run, he was delivering, especially down the stretch. I mean, he was the only guy that hit in October. So, you know, he just – he was a monster all year. Um, so he definitely deserved it. So, um they also got the extra first round pick. So I think they have three of the first 34 picks now in the first round, um, which again is, is uh, and I tweeted it the other day. I'm not, I'm past the point of like drooling over these draft picks because like we talked about, those guys aren't going to, we're worried about the big leagues. Now we're worried about winning a world series, not still stacking. We still obviously want to stack the farm system, but that's not the, the main concern anymore. It, it's bringing home the hardware like the, uh, like the Rangers did. Um, so that was cool to see. And then um we have Brandon Hydewin manager of the year. And and I don't know if you guys were aware of the Jeff Passan um, fake out from last week. Did you guys, see, I, I can't remember if I sent it in the group chat or not. He had posted 
last week when all the nominees were announced and he did this before and he fucked up. They weren't in the order that they were officially announced from MLB and they weren't in alphabetical order. The last time he did it, he copy and pasted the winners like a week ahead of time. And so he did it the exact same way this year. And it it had Hyde in second, Schumacher in second, um, and I think Bochi in first, and and I think Craig Council at first um in the NL. But it had every everything else seemed right. So everyone was like, oh my God, did Passin just leak the the winners again? So I thought I and then he deleted it. That's I thought it was true because he deleted it right away. People got screenshots and all that. So I was ready to be mad online about um, Hyde not winning it because I was like, there's nothing to do. I got no, I got nothing but time tonight. I can argue with people online about this. Um, and then and then I a little birdie told me like an hour before, like, oh, I'm working on something. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, so wait, 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 wait. Yeah, it was like, I was like, oh, no, I wasn't worried at all. I definitely wasn't mad or anything. Um, but yeah, so it was good for Hyde. And again, I, I got I got shit on from some of the guys in the Barstool Baseball uh, chat because the blog that I posted, I used this uh, the wild card like or like the celebration picture from the, the clubhouse. And they were like kind of funny because they got their dicks rocked. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I had still had to show it. So I again, good for Hyde. He's been here through the very, very, very bad. And he's here for the good. Um, and again, the video they put together was awesome. The stuff that, that the quotes that came out obviously were really good. Um, I'm just happy for him and his family. And, and again, I think the, the guys really like him and I think they're going to rally around him and manager of the year. Isn't, you know, something, to, you know, there are a lot of good managers that have never won that. Um, so good for Hyde, good for his family, good for the Orioles. Um, and then Kyle Bradish came in fourth tonight in the Cy Young. I know Felix Bautista got some votes too. So again, these aren't the trophies that we, you know, that Orioles fans are like, this is why we sucked all those years was the winner rookie of the year and a manager of the year. But it's, it's nice to see those guys get recognized and, and, you know, just for them to be voted on by their peers and the media and stuff like that. So obviously again, I said, if I was Bruce Bochy, I would have had the world series trophy behind me. Like when I didn't win, it was like, that's ah, all right, boys. I'm all right without this one. Like enjoy it. Hide. But uh, it was cool to see Cal present it, um, the award, the gunner. And it was cool to see Joe Madden present it to Brandon Hyde. Obviously, they go back a long way. They weren't a World Series together. So, um, yeah, and, and now, you know, now we're kind of getting the quotes from Elias about the offseason and, and where to go from here. And he said that they've made it known to teams that they're looking for a, a starter, uh, some rotation guys, and a back-end uh, bullpen piece. So uh, nothing has really moved at all. The, the Rule 5 deadline to protect guys was the other day. Orioles didn't do anything. So nothing's really happened. But, um you know, I'm I'm sure maybe in the weeks leading up to Christmas we'll see something. Then it shuts down, and then after Christmas, I'm sure we'll after the New Year we'll see stuff start to pop up. But it's gonna it's gonna become a very boring time for baseball in the next couple of weeks. So the Ravens are gonna fully take over, and usually the time that they uh they they kind of start the peak and start to start their acceleration upwards. So yeah, good good award season for the Orioles, I'd say. Yeah, Gunner opened the season first two months of the year, hit 201. With I think right around a six ninety, like a seven oh two actually OPS, absolutely slumped for the first two months. Dropped to the bottom of the order. People starting to whisper about you know him maybe going and taking a little stint down in Norfolk. And then in June, that monster June he has hitting three twenty with six home runs and just never wavering that whole time mm-hmm. in his approach in the intensity that he played with. Goes on to hit two seventy six with I think an eight. 
57 OPS and 23 home runs from June 2nd through the end of the season there as, you know, a 21 into 22 year old and was the Orioles best player. I mean, one team MVP as well. And Brandon Hyde getting to be the guy was awesome because he didn't get that storied kick in the butt before the Orioles got to take off and go have that hundred win season. Brian, how do you feel heading into 2024 and, and with the Orioles bringing home some hardware? <laughs> I mean, hardware is cool. It's a nice little consolation prize for the way they got, obviously they're, they're like uh, Eric said it so eloquently, they got their dicks kicked in. Um, I mean, I think it's really the, the sweep streak as ironic as it is how that ended. That's probably the biggest bullet point that I can point to that, that really shows that Brandon Hyde has a lot of value in the way that he um, keeps the guys steady. And I mean, it's just an unheard of, number like it's just not done and for for him to to keep the guys just even where they don't get too high don't get too low are just slow and steady just march their way to over 100 wins plus 100 wins on on a, what was the over under going in the season 76 and a half Six yeah and a half. i mean that's a joke the guy it's 24 25 wins over expected or at least based on vegas like that says it all so, I mean, you could talk about, yeah, Gunnar Henderson really, you know, coming into his own and some other pieces that, you know, played higher than expectation, you know, in their own right. But look at the, look at the salaries, look at the, um, where the team came from a couple of years ago. It seems like a, a no brainer to me. Like maybe that should have been the one that was unanimous. Definitely. And so, for Hyde, so, so impressive, just such a young team, such a cheap team on all accords and to build up with Elias through this entire development and be pacing guys like Grayson Rodriguez, Gunner, Adley calling up, you know, the Cowsers and um, all these other younger players, and then still also be able to keep those veterans consistent and happy. Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, guys like that was, was really cool. So uh, you just love to see Brandon Hyde get, you know, something he can hold on to forever. Can't take that away. Can't take that award away. You know, you know what's funny too. I don't know if you guys knew this. I'm I'm trying to find it. I should have had it up. The um the NL manager of the year. The last four guys. Well, before before Skip Schumacher won it this year, Mike Schlitt, the Cardinals manager in 2019, fired the next year. Don Mattingly won it in 2020 for the Marlins. Fired the next year. Gabe Kapler won it uh, in 2021. Fired this year. Buck Showalter won it last year. Fired. Like, not a great run for NL guys. Um, so maybe put your money on Skip Schumacher getting fired next year. People are wondering. Yeah, but no, again, cool, cool for them. I did, I did get a, a laugh. I obviously posted about Hyde winning, and somebody screenshotted the uh, one of the games from the Braves series in May and said, anyone who pitches these guys over Cano and Bautista is in a manager of the year. It's like, so you're going to nitpick one game again that they lost versus the Atlanta Braves in May. Like, and say, Anybody who puts Ryan McKenna in left field at Fenway Park, like what? Like, Insane. And then somebody said, well, he overmanages too much. I said, so does every other manager in baseball, dude. Like, that's when I was just like, all right, all right sure, man. 
yeah, whatever. Like that's, that's fine. But again, like you said, they can't take it away. So good for him. And again, hopefully I, I think I wrote it in the blog. Hopefully these, you know, trophies are, are in the shadow of a much bigger trophy either this time next year or the year after. And, and again, we're just, they're just little, little bullet points on their uh, Wikipedia pages in a couple of years. I mean, Jackson holidays, yeah. 2025 MVP is going to be at least four stories high. Like the award's going to be huge. Someone huge. pointed out today. There's a legit chance the Orioles, I mean, obviously barring injuries and stuff like that, but they could have Kowser, Mayo, Kerstad, and Holiday. They could finish one through four next year in the rookie of the year. Like two if that happens. The, the light, if I was Vegas and I was placing odds just off the top of my head, having two of those guys finish top three would probably be like minus. 270 yeah I just any like. of that combination of the, the any four. of those any of those four crazy i feel I like wonder, i wonder what the odds idea. what the odds would be for them to take three out of three spots that, not uh, not astronomical not as no. uh, high as every other team in baseball i'd say so pretty crazy there especially with kerstad who just looked calm and cool at the plate and could definitely just diesel into like a low key all-star season or something. It feels like mm-hmm. so a lot of exciting time, a lot of fun stuff. I mean, Gunner, you, uh, Tyler Wells is on the, uh, the Ryan Ripken show and just talking about how the guy plays my favorite quote. I think I've heard about Gunner. He plays like he wants to get hurt and having that and thinking about Jackson holiday, who I recall, I don't know when it was eight months ago, 10 months ago, having Jackson holiday come in and basically say like point at Gunner and be like, I want to do what that guy did. Like have me do what that guy did. Just having example after example, hearing how many guys have stolen Adley Rushman's uh, on deck circle, like exact routine throughout the organization. Just so many young guys coming up that have role models in place. And for a guy like Gunner to get that award is cool. And you know, Hyde at the top of that. So I think it's just so appropriate for Hyde to win that award, Gunner to win that award. And then for you to mention all those other guys that are just, they just have a pipeline right now. Like it is a, it is a Republican presidency. The pipeline is open. The pipeline is absolutely open right now for the Baltimore Orioles and their prospects. So going to be real, a lot of fun to see what they do. You know, the takeoff last year from Elias where it's, it's all takeoff from here. Um, man, it just feels like they are waiting for the right guy and the right guy to be a five-year guy. And I can't wait to see who it hopefully is. Well, maybe that right guy is, is already in an Orioles uniform too. You know, again, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I know that he said that in his quotes where, you know, we're going to start looking at extending some of their guys. So that's, I think that's got to be step one in trades. Um, trades are going to happen too. Um, so we'll, we'll just see where it goes. I don't know. Frankie Real Andrews quick. in the comments here, when Gunner and Jackson are in the game, where do you think they play? I feel like Gunner definitely plays primarily third and yeah. Jackson plays short. I think so too. I, I don't know. He's freaking huge. They're going to stick yeah. him on the corner. Yeah, and I, I don't know the metric on on Jackson, but I would say Gunner had probably has a better arm. I would assume. I, I don't know, but ha, ha, has to. Yeah, I would agree. I agree with all those things that how it seems on the surface at this point in time. But like Jackson Holiday, still at that age, like should still be an algebra class, all that good shit. Uh, where his body could still build out like into something different. Like he has the shortstop build now. I don't know how many highlight films or I saw on Twitter him legging out infield hits. He's definitely got the range and the speed, but he could get bulky like a big boy, like his old man. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. maybe that He's takes got some the light features. Of- I feel like light featured people, like lighter hair and stuff, 
tend to mature a little later and like fill out a little later. So I feel like, I feel like he's going to have, we could see Jackson Holly be a two career type of kid, like a leadoff guy into like a four hitter later, like a four hitter later in his career, something like that. It's an interesting take. I kind of like that. Maybe, maybe. And again, when you, when you mentioned the big body, you know, I envision him moving to second, like a, like Jonathan scope. And, you know, he was a big, thick individual. I've, I mean, they're completely different players, but you know, when I, when I think of that, I think of that. And I mean, watching, watching him and Manny turn double plays forever. was fun. I mean, Jordan Westberg is not a tiny guy either. Like, no, no, they've got horses. They, they have horses also real quick. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know if people know next Friday for black Friday, the Orioles are doing like a, up to 50% off a ton of items at this store and the warehouse and all that. And they're having like, I think San, the Oriole bird and Santa is going to be there. I'm hundred percent going down and seeing like, I, I, I was just watching. Probably, like, I mean, city connect is just one, one year run, right? Like they're not going to run that. No, back. No, no. I believe they're going to wear them next year. I mean, okay, the, Red okay. Sox, the Red Sox still wear their yellow. Yeah. Their, their city right, 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 right. I think, it, I think after this year, I think it's up to the Orioles. Like, I don't think it'll be every Friday night, but I could see it being like, we're going to do it every Friday home. You know, I mean, I don't know every, I don't know once a month or something like that, but every, if they win in them, every third home game on a Friday or something, you know, who knows? Whatever. But I do. I, after watching all the gunner stuff again, I was like, I, I fucking need a gunner Jersey. Like that's, that's going to be the purchase I make. I'm going to pull a Spenny and be like, if he hits a double, this at bat, I'm getting a Jersey. If Gunnar Henderson takes a ball, this at bat, I'm going to go buy his Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna pull one of those like you. So again, I, I don't know. I'll probably go down there next Friday for Black Friday and and mosey around the store and all that. And get well, there you go for for the listeners looking to go grab your your Orioles freaks a little little Christmas present. Get on down there and grab them some gear. Yeah, it could be fun. Could be a good time. So with that, we can switch on over into our preview of the Ravens and Bengals kicking off. Vandal has it at eight sixteen. The kickoff is not eight fifteen. It is eight sixteen according to uh, our friends in Las Vegas. Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, the Ravens seven and three, the Bengals five and four Ravens have consistently been three and a half point favorites. Curious to see if we get any movement, probably not. Maybe the Ravens go down to three, uh, the over under the total in this game is 46. So Vegas FanDuel, every book's pretty consistent there. Uh, the saying that the Ravens win about 25, 21, 24, 21, right in that range is where Vegas has it. Uh, the Ravens coming off of a devastating loss at home to the Cleveland Browns, who end up seeing Deshaun Watson play one of the grittier quarterback games I can remember, like physically mm-hmm. and in terms of just continuing to hammer himself against defensive backs and linebackers, uh, scrape by in that one. You know, the Ravens sputter out. And similarly, the Cincinnati Bengals who this whole season have struggled to get going. Uh, it, it's nothing new. The Bengals have started like 0-2, 0-3, 1-2, 1-3, they drop one to the Houston Texans. I feel like the Texans have really shocked a couple of teams here now and dropped to that 5-4. and four. The Bengals will be without T. Higgins, as well as their starting outside linebacker, Sam Hubbard. The Ravens will be without Ronnie Stanley, as well as listed as doubtful on the report. Marlon Humphrey, we're going to go ahead and call that an out. I don't think he's playing in this one. So a little bit of an eye for an eye. The Bengals, really good receiver T. Higgins, out. The Ravens, really good corner. Marlon Humphrey, out. 
Sam Hubbard out, Ronnie Stanley out, an edge player, an outside linebacker, and a left tackle there. Uh, so as this game, as you have maybe reached a little bit of homeostasis, Brian, and come back to reality from the Bud Light touchdown tent, how you feeling? Things that go through your mind. The Ravens did beat the Bengals the first time they played there and a little bit of a, a fun game you and I watched together alongside Jake, who's down in Mexico right now and, and couldn't join us this week. But we wish him a fun, happy trip down there. But what goes through your mind in this matchup? Um, a little precarious, a little bit on edge. Um, but overall, I think I've settled in. I feel pretty good about it. Um, had this one circled for a long time. Uh, if you had to go back a few days and ask for which of these two I wanted more, it'd definitely be this one over the Browns one, as much as that one fucking blue. Um, but yeah, I, you just have to like the way they played against them. And I forget what week it was exactly, but they, uh, yeah, the Bengals have stepped up their game uh, quite a bit. You know, Joe Burrow looks like his old self uh, a lot more so. Um, but I, I just continue to like, I mean, the game management and the, all the frustrating things the Ravens did on Sunday, I still know deep down in the, I don't know, in the balls of this football team or whatever at heart, they are, they're just the one of the best teams in the game. Yeah. I mean, God, I'm so sick of waking up on Monday and, and reading unprecedented stats about how good the Ravens are relative to their record. But at the end of the day, those are supposed to be predictive stats, right? In theory, your your point differentials, your um, I forget what some of those other ones are, but but you get what I'm saying here. Um, we should be feeling good. It's frustrating that we are seven and three and are in the position where we're at, but it's all right there in front of us. And um, at the end of the day, we put ourselves out ahead early in the year by taking care of a lot of business on the road. Not all of it, obviously, but. Um, the opportunity is right there. We just got to take it. And this is, I mean, this is Thanksgiving. And I've been talking about this for weeks. Like this is, this is the game that I've wanted. This is it. This is where the, the bank becomes what it used to be. We're wearing the all black. How does that not get you fired up? Roquan Smith saying all the right things about it. He's my guy. Like Thanksgiving time here. Thanksgiving season. Let's take it back. Take back the bank. Definitely time for a primetime game. The Ravens haven't had one yet this year. Then we'll spend four of five weeks, four or five games, I should say, with a bye wedged in there in primetime, including a little Christmas action. Things that stand out to me looking at this game, the Baltimore Ravens lead the NFL. And now I would say right about half of teams have had their bye. I think more teams have had their bye than haven't at this point. Ravens with 43 explosive rush plays, 10 plus yards, and 31 explosive passing plays, rank first in the NFL. Uh, the Dolphins, 49ers, Lions, and Texans right after them, who all have played nine games, the Ravens have played 10. So the Ravens are averaging, I believe, right around the fifth or sixth most on a per-game basis. The Cincinnati Bengals rank 29th in the NFL in explosive plays created. They have generated only 39 such plays. Joe Burrow has only pushed the ball over 20 air yards, thrown the ball over 20 air yards five times in the Bengals' last four games combined, averaging about one, maybe two shots, so to speak, per game. One of those uh, touchdown to T. Higgins on a little rollout throwing across his body last week. Uh, so this Bengals team that I think a lot of people have fixated into their mind is this 
Joe Burrow throwing go routes, go balls, nine routes, whatever you want to call them to Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Not what they've been. It has been a quick timing underneath rhythmic offense that has moved the ball better in the last couple of weeks. Um, Conversely, the Bengals have allowed the most explosive plays in the NFL. So the Ravens lead the NFL in explosive plays. The Bengals not only have led the NFL in explosive plays allowed, they also lead the NFL in explosive play rate allowed, meaning considering how many plays they've defended. They're allowing eight per game, eight of those per game, 71 explosive plays they've let up. So this defense that loses Jesse Bates uh, has lost a couple key players over the last couple of years. Von Bell, uh, Trey Hendrickson does have a hyperextended knee is going to play in this one and doesn't have an injury report all of a sudden, maybe a little cat and mouse going on there uh, in some regard. But this Bengals defense, Luana Rumo's defense has not been the bend, but don't break disciplined unit that they've been the last couple of years. And I would wager to say that's why this Bengals team has, has really struggled to get it going consistently. And you see CJ Stroud last week, just rain hellfire on them from the sky, dropping bomb after bomb after bomb, locating the football all over the field. For my money, CJ Stroud is the MVP of the NFL through this point in the season. I mean, Larry, Laramie Tunsil was out at one point. Austin, How- uh, Ty- T- geez, Titus Howard, Titus Howard, Titus Howard, I think Titus Howard, right tackle also out at one point. Uh, Damian Pierce been in and out of the lineup. Nico Collins been in and out of the lineup. Tank Dell, who he asked for in the draft and is immediately paying off. Noah Brown with back-to-back 150-yard performances. Dalton Schultz, who, you know, no, no disrespect to Dalton Schultz, seems like a very nice player who... Is a, a nice little Y tight end, you know, a top 10, top 15 tight end. Uh, we've never seen a rookie quarterback do this before. And I'm giving I'm giving extra points to that to CJ Stroud. But when you go back and watch that tape, I mean, there are blown coverages. There is a lack of confidence on carrying deep routes and route combinations and who's supposed to switch, who's supposed to run. So this matchup to me is can those teams can the Bengals break that trend, put a lid on the Ravens offense? I'm going to wager say probably not, but uh, can the Ravens continue to generate explosive plays? I would think yes. Uh, Morgan Moses set to return in this one as well. So I think that's where this, this game kind of is decided. And if the Ravens can generate explosive plays at home in, like you mentioned, Brian, a rocking M&T Bank Stadium for maybe some of the things that the bank hasn't been in the last couple of years, it definitely has continued to be electric every single time they wear their, their all blacks at home. Uh, definitely always feels right. Looks right. Sounds right. Lamar Jackson calls those uniforms sexy. If he had to describe them at a press conference this week and uh, says he thinks they're the, the sexiest uniform in the NFL. And Hey man, those all blacks go pretty hard. The Ravens have been doing that whole darkness, silence and growl and Poe. <laughs> thing this the- year. Was the first time they wore those, was it the the Monday night game against Denver with the big field goal return? Did they even wear that? I don't think they were in black that game. Were they not in that? Were they not in black that night? I, I think they were in black purple. with white bottoms that night. That was the, the who was it, McAllister? Chris McAllister returned it, right? McAllister. Yeah, and then Ray Lewis with the block. 109 yard will probably bring it up for me. They were in purple. Uh, 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 I think it was purple on black. Was if I'm it? not mistaken. It's yeah. Purple. It's purple jersey. Purple jersey, white pants. Yep. Oh, yep. Never mind. I don't know. Not what, sure. What, not sure when those debuted. 
Well, yeah, there, there was there was a buildup about it. I remember, but I can't put my finger on what game it was. There was some weird thing with like Edgar Allan and Poe coming out of a like an, a, a literal shell for that. I believe like a, <laughs> that was a, 1996. Was it? <laughs> yeah, maybe 1998. Maybe I was like three, three years old. Remember that? That might be my first memory. I remember seeing The Little Mermaid when I was like three years old as well. And in theater, and I don't. The Little Mermaid came out way before that. I think my dad took me to see that. Um, but yeah, the Ravens rocking those under John Harbaugh. The Ravens are thirty-five and seventeen in primetime games with the NFL's best, second best winning percentage, six seventy-three. There, um, man, undefeated. You knock on the wood there. Bop, bop, bop. Seven and zero hosting Thursday night football games. Four and zero in the division. Ravens unveil alternate uniform for 2004. 2004, Sorry. yeah. It looks like against the the Browns that year, which I remember that game too. I, I thought I, I think that was a primetime game. I just got it mixed up. Yeah, us and the Eagles, I remember right around the same time. Mm, those went black. into the black jerseys and yeah, 2004, because that was the TO. TO, they, I, I remember having friends with like the black TO jerseys. Those were sweet. Those were freaking sweet. They should bring those back. Yeah. Jersey, especially the, like the fanatics jersey quality, as opposed to like that era when they had like the bigger mesh holes in them, just just a huge drop off there. <laughs> yeah, totally agree there. So with this game, I mean, last year the Ravens played a primetime game at home against the Bengals. The Bengals score a touchdown late in that game. Lamar Jackson drives down the field. Justin Tucker bangs, I think, a fifty-three yard field goal, something like that, to go win that game, nineteen seventeen. I think it was and a chippy. Was it a chippy? Yeah, I think it was a chippy. Mm, I thought it was a long boy for some reason. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I don't know. Um, It just feels like we're headed to the same game that we saw both of these teams play last week. It feels like the Bengals, you see Trey Hendrickson with a hyperextended knee playing on a short week through that. I would wager to say, I'll go as far as to say, if the Ravens win this game, they win the division. If they lose this game, they have to beat the Steelers in week 18 in order to win the division. I think it will come down to that. If the Ravens do lose and drop to seven and four, would be on a two-game losing streak. Ravens are probably pretty tired, man. I mean, they go to London, they go to Baltimore, they go to Phoenix, they come back to Baltimore and have three games in a, in a what is it, 11-day period, I think. Luckily, all of them at home, but... A lot of football, a lot of miles, a lot of travel, and a desperate Cleveland Browns team. They needed that win. A desperate Cincinnati Bengals team that has a lot riding on this game. And I would go as far as to say that this game, if the Bengals lose, on the other hand, probably eliminates them from the division. I think this would drop them to 0-3 in the division, maybe 0-4. I have to go double-check on that. Uh, Tough to win your division. 0-3, 0-4, 0-3, 0-4, have to go on a pretty hefty win streak. Ravens and the Bengals both have really difficult schedules. Bengals did beat the 49ers a couple weeks ago. That was without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, but, I mean, it's football. You know, got to be able to play without guys. Every team does. So, uh, man, crazy, crazy, crazy game ahead of us. In that last matchup, Ravens were able to really get what they wanted on the ground and then push the ball downfield. And I just think looking at those safeties back there, when Jesse Bates departs, the Bengals did such a good job for so long keeping wraps on Mark Andrews and kind of the middle of the field and forcing Lamar Jackson to play in some weird situations. Uh, the couple times he did play and, and wasn't out, 
But now the Bengals are relying on uh, a couple younger guys at safety. And we're going to see Nick Scott and Dax Hill, as well as Jordan Battle gets in there a little bit too. Uh, those guys really a huge key in this one. I'm just curious, man. I mean, how can Trey Hendrickson hyperextend his knee and then be f- like anywhere close to flexible as a pass rusher a couple days later? I think he's going to do the warrior thing and strap it up and strap in. Um, I, I just struggle to see him having a big day. Uh, very curious where, when you look at this, this Bengals defense with a limited Trey Hendrickson, who's probably their best player defensively, um, just not a lot of star power Mm-mm. at all. And we watching you know, a like last week, there's a miles Garrett that you're really scared of without Ronnie Stanley, especially. And some of those things, and the Ravens still were able to move the ball, especially early in that game. But man, definitely just feels like a tall task. No T Higgins. Um, it's going to have to be a Joe Burrow masterclass for the, the Bengals to get this done. And I feel like the Ravens defense probably has their pride hurt a little bit right now, has their ego hurt after watching Jerome Ford and David Njoku and Deshaun Watson, frankly, run through them, run around them, run over them. And I don't know. I think playing in the all black for the first time for a couple guys in that defense, a Jadevian Clowney, seeing the, the lights flicker and the lights cut out there, that definitely will get the juices flowing. So I think this is going to be an absolute dogfight. And I'm really curious, you know, the, the Ravens do a great job disguising coverage against Joe Burrow, getting him to hold the football a little bit longer. Uh, we see Adafi Owe really come into his own the last couple of weeks here. And Genevieve and Clowney creating a lot of rush. Michael Pierce has been doing a nice job. Justin Matabike seems to get a sack on a stunt or hunt somebody down every single week. And Burrow looks like that classic Burrow, that 2019 LSU Burrow mm-hmm. that's been moving through the pocket, making guys miss, looking more like a point guard again kind of driving the lane, able to get some guys going on some hezies, things like that. Um, so on the offensive side of the football, the Ravens need to push the ball downfield, man. I mean, haven't done that. Haven't hit on a deep shot in a while. Missed the Rashad Bateman a couple times. A couple of weird things happened there. And I think on the other side of the football, Joe Burrow is just going to have to really manage this pocket extremely well. And the Ravens just aren't going to be that scared. I mean, Jamar Chase is a dog, but... What else? What else is cooking for the Bengals? It's it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I uh, I'm curious what you think the the black jerseys are worth in itself. Do you think it's about a point and a half? Yes, I think it's worth exactly a point, a point a and a half. Hard point and a half. Um, and then what? Okay, you spreads three and a half. So Vegas, two Vegas two apparently half. hasn't been giving three points for the last two years. They've been giving about a point and a half or two. I'd say right. at home in the black uni is three. Okay, I suppose that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a I think that's a three point home advantage, and I've seen I've seen a lot. I mean, I was I was pretty disappointed, honestly, from the fan perspective. I was I was pretty disappointed late last week. I know you're in the Bud Light tent, getting getting rowdy as hell. Uh, James Prochet, one James Prochet, just terrified of uh, Mr. Brian Black. (laughs) James Prochet sees you in his nightmares now, and I think you see yourself in your nightmares. It's just not how that's supposed to play out. It's just not. It just can't happen. It just can't happen after that. Like it just, I mean, even just the OA strip was right in front of me too. And it's like, uh, how did it was right in front of you? How do you fall? Like, how did that just fall right at the feet? The game was, uh, it was on NFL network again. You know, they do the, like they fit the game into like an hour or an hour and a half or something on today. And I rewatched it and that the OA play, I was just, I was like, I can't believe that that 
just that's such a Browns play too to like fumble there. Too. I was like, we're gonna get a strip sack here any minute. Like it's, yeah, it's and, inevitable. And, and again, the Browns are the team that that happens to, and you go, well, we're the, we're the Browns. We fumble, you know, we're driving, and then we fumbled. No, oh, well, I I couldn't believe that. And yeah, that was wild. It was a winning play, and that's why I find so much irony. I actually have a bunch of stats pulled up here that I like spent time on Excel on. I for, completely forgot about mm. uh, earlier. I actually contacted StatHeads support to get some help with this. And I think I closed this workbook out and did not save it. Oh my Ooh. God. I want death. Have oh you God. ever, have you ever called ESPN's fantasy hotline to get a, to, to try and get something switched? Yes. Uh, I, I was, I would have bet my life on it. After yeah, hearing yes, that. yeah. Okay. Yes, I, yeah. That was just a personal question that could have been handled offline, but I just need to. Oh, 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 yes, I have. I've, okay. I've called, I've, I've, I've tried my best. Um, <laughs> What what I saw was that uh, I tried to look up Ravens ten point leads last five years. From my recollection, there have been two hundred and eleven of them that have been blown, and the Ravens have blown seven of them. How many do you think the Kansas City Chiefs have blown up ten in the last five years? I know the Titans were up ten on them in the AFC Championship game. Um, this is straight regular season. Yeah, straight regular, regular season. So you had to guess. I don't. It, it's going to be like it's going to be like three or no no. I'm, my guess is maybe it's more. Baltimore Ravens have blown seven 10 point leads. The Kansas City Chiefs have blown seven 10 point leads. Seven. Hmm. Washington Commander football team, red, red, R words at one point in five years, somewhere in there. Um, had, I think, led with like, it was like 13, something ridiculous. The Falcons, I think, had like 10 or nine. A uh, couple, couple fun teams that, ran, like, I think the Seahawks only had like two or three. Um, so that, that whole thing, it was just the irony, the point of me looking that up and I can't believe I closed that workbook out. I had so much in front of me, closing tabs, connection was slow when we were getting started recording here. I feel like an idiot, but OA made a winning play and that's what the Ravens needed. They needed someone to make one play and he did. And it was so close. And then for this whole shit storm, of blown lead media sensation when they were that close, when they were Wyatt Teller happening to pick up and help in pass pro so that his head was turned that way and the ball happened to fall where he was going to help. Uh, they were that close. And I really, I, between the white lines, shout out to Deshaun Watts, man. I mean, knowing that he had his throwing shoulder basically broken and drilling that 17 yard Amari Cooper deep curl. There was good coverage on the play. It was Rocky Sin uh, had outside leverage. He w- had shaded his arm across of Cooper and was kind of leaning on him. And Watson just stepped up on second and 19 uh, in the teeth of the Ravens defense on the road. Got to have it and got it. And then later breaks a Kyle Van Noy open field tackle. And Michael, I think it was uh, Matt Abike, tries to dive over Van Noy's dead body yeah. and yeah. punch his feet out and can't get him. Um, so those plays and, and, you know, Watson as a person, whole different conversation, but shit, man, that was about as gritty of a performance in hindsight, knowing they had a broken shoulder and a sprained ankle as you can possibly have. And the play that it looked like he did it on, which he's getting kind of knocked on. And a lot of people are like, well, he always has kind of done slide. this. You have to learn to slide. Yeah. It was like a second and nine scramble. And he went to go take on Patrick queen and OA came from the other side and they just sandwiched, sandwiched him. him. And Ooh, uh, I mean, queen smoked him on that hit queen, like 
legitimately like Spear, he speared him. He speared well, him. Yeah, I mean he that he should was, be if if we're in the if we're in the 2023 age like the year of fining everyone like that that's a fine. There's been yeah. 50 like, fines that were less than one. Sorry, PQ. So, sorry, sorry. Um, don't mean to don't mean to get into your pockets there, but he like launched man, himself right at him. I mean, it was a great hit. I mean, he just he caught him right on the side. So if it's the same hit that I'm thinking of, which I think it is. Definitely. Um, a lot of talk about Keaton Mitchell in this one as well. And I think that there's a a lot of layers of insight and it, it's just difficult, man. I mean, the kid was limited in practice last week. He looks so explosive. He reels off that touchdown. What the one thing that I hated that the Ravens did last week was that Keaton Mitchell, his touchdown run was on a draw, like a very old school Madden under center pro draw. And the Ravens ran that again later in the game. The Browns saw it coming two yard loss. Um, I think what gets lost in translation is like they tried to run that rail route to him. They also split him out wide a couple of times. Uh, they, they targeted him in the end zone. They did that boot throwback screen for him. They're trying to get him the ball. I just don't know how much they like him in pass pro. I don't think they're trying to overload his plate. We heard Harbaugh say something to the tune of, uh, we wanted, we don't want to put him in situations where he's not confident yet. Um, so I know a lot of people really, really, really want to see him get a lot of touches, but I think there's a fine line or a, a needle to thread of you gotta be able to, for him to for him to get 15 touches in a game or 10 touches in a game, he's probably got to play 20, 25 snaps, which means that he's not getting the ball on 15 of them, maybe 10, 15 of them, which means what's he doing? Running a route, blocking, can he block? He's only been asked to block three times in pass pro. You have Ronnie Stanley go down. You have McCary already in the game. You don't have Moses. You don't have Stanley. Like somebody's got to help Miles fucking Garrett and Zadarius Smith and the Browns front is good. They, yeah. they blitz, they sim pressure, all those things. So it's tough. Um, after the bye, I, I would think we see Keaton get a little bit more involved. But man, the kid's electric. The, the kid kid's is electric. Good. Yeah, I, I mean, he dusted him on that on that touchdown run. Did not think at all he could get around the edge, let alone stay in bounds. I, from my angle, I thought he stepped out. Um, definitely did not. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it's easy to forget as well in the second half of that game, like for the Ravens on the offensive side of the ball, like the, the game got shortened quite a bit for them. And they just it didn't really did. seem to have the ball. Didn't really get a chance to have any sustained drives or success or build anything, which I mean, plays into the bigger picture of, of, um, Hey, that's one way to go about it. But, um, it's, uh, it seems like we're running the same media playbook as we did with, with Ray Rice when it was like, Oh, why, how could Ray Rice not get this many touches? How could Justin Forsett not get this many touches when those guys would have success in pockets. And it's sometimes it just comes down to contextual football and we can argue that until our, you know, we're blue in the face, but um, it just kind of is what it is. And it looks bad on a stat sheet in hindsight. Certainly does. I don't know if my computer just froze or what the heck's going on, but Keaton Mitchell, man, I mean, it's just difficult. That This offense, it feels like, and now, and I'll post clips of Bateman because I'll see Bateman getting wide open and creating separation, releasing, beating guys off the line. But then it's like, well, they want to feed Zay Flowers and they want to feed Mark Andrews. And then Odell Beckham has a 40-yard touchdown. He has touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. And they want to feed Keaton Mitchell. Well, if you don't get Gus Edwards involved, then what what are people going to say? Like, oh my gosh. And then, hey, like Nelson Aguilar hasn't really caught a lot. 
it's a lot of mouths to feed. And yeah, I think it's tough to criticize the Ravens for spreading the ball around as well. I think that is a strength. But with that said, it does feel like you're forcing the, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson, like gets into these moments. And I'm not saying that the Browns pick six was not a result of something Lamar Jackson did necessarily, but there was just a way lower hanging fruit backside Rashad Bateman against off coverage, off man coverage, running a three-step slant and he's wide open. Um, and Lamar wanted to go to Mark Andrews. It wasn't there. So he tries to basically throw the ball away to Ricard and kind of gets football karma for that. It felt like a little bit ball gets popped up in the air. It was nothing that he did wrong necessarily, but um, you know, it, it just would like to see him spread the ball around to some of these other guys uh, as they continue to work and, and continue to get better. So it's a long stretch of games for the Baltimore Ravens. They'll finally get some rest after this game. And man, like, this is the classic, it would be nice to have it. Like, this isn't a must win. This isn't a gotta have it. This is like, man, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be yeah. nice to move to eight and three? Wouldn't it be nice yeah. to punch the Bengals back to five and five? Wouldn't it be nice to respond to an ugly win by closing out a game on primetime at home in your all blacks in front of your home crowd? Um, and then go have a long week after and smile and feel good and then go play the chargers and then have a buy and then play the Rams. Yeah. Before you have to go play like the 49ers. This is is a, wouldn't this be nice to get a Kyle Hamilton tip to himself, pick six to kick off a game at home kind of game. Wouldn't it be nice? It, It would. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice if that happened? Wouldn't that be a really nice thing? That would be a nice thing. Um, Maybe it's the Elway strip sack with some sort of scooping score. I don't know. I don't know. I've I've been kind of simmering on this take, and obviously it's off the table now, but we are way, way, way long overdue for a peanut punch or fruit punch, whatever you want to call it. Somebody to actually pop a ball out of a ball carrier. Yeah. I like that. I like that for Dickie. Like the play to open, I mean, for Denver on Monday night, I mean, that was a, a tone setter a little bit. So, Brian, Eric Taylor and I got on on Sunday night when you were indisposed. And I don't know if you – I'm sure you recall me, you, and Pat in the in the tailgating lot. And Pat calls me over and he's like, so what do you think about a Ravens defensive or special teams touchdown? And I was like, what are the odds? He said plus 380. I said, oh, I hate that. I was like, that's gross. No. I was like, I that's that's not juicy enough for me. I don't like that. Why is that so low? Which usually the one I'll say, the line that's super low, Pat Ricard to score a touchdown has the same odds as Justice Hill right now. It's like plus 600. My buddy Pat Ricard's gonna score a touchdown. My buddy bets he puts like five dollars on that every week. Every Justice Hill is a great is a great proposition there. I agree with that too. I think I think that's ridiculous for Pat Ricard to have that low of odds, and ridiculous for Justice Hill to have that high of odds. Um, very very strange odds. Very rich. but then Pat called me back over. He's like, "I'm sorry, it was plus like he said like plus seven fifty or something." I was like, "Okay, all right, that's yeah, that's more." Well, I was telling everybody all week to bet it without really looking at the line, and then you absolutely called it. We were ripping and <laughs> down I, there I in the club on the pod last week too. I said, "Do it." Oh, go. we were having a moment there. Um, and it's all 
So I'm just quickly to look through some advanced numbers. Bengals off, excuse me, defensively in terms of EPA per play allowed are 17th in the NFL. Success rate allowed defensively. The Bengals are 30th in the NFL. They allow 47.4 success rate. Um, those have been kind of the most consistent numbers in terms of teams uh, winning games. Correlation, if you want to call it a correlation. Drop back EPA allowed. The Bengals have been pretty solid, 12th overall. Their drop back success rate allowed uh, towards the bottom of the league, 28th overall. So they've been able to generate some turnovers. Uh, that to me says that teams have consistently moved the ball, but Bengals have been able to get some big stops, things like that. And then rush EPA allowed. The Bengals have the 30th ranked rush defense in the NFL and are without arguably their, I would say their second most important run defender in Sam Hubbard, who is a real cog along that front with DJ reader and DJ reader is a dog, but Hubbard being out, is going to be a big loss um, success rate allowed 26. So Bengals very weak against the run. Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, let's like get Zay flowers involved, get Rashad Bateman involved, some jet sweeps, Duvernay, all kinds of things in that direction. So uh, I think there's going to be a game where the the Ravens are going to really want to control time of possession. And something that for John Harbaugh being as analytically savvy as, you know, hashtag Stern, Stern. They love time of possession. They always have. And I think that's, I think in order to be a true football coach and guy, you do have to love time of possession. Like there's maybe Andy Reid doesn't love time of possession, but um, I, I think that the Ravens are really going to try to hold the ball in this game, take a couple deep shots. Uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with the under in this game. Under 46, I feel pretty confident in. Um, I could see a nice 23, 20, nice 20, 17, something in that department ultimately. But man. Um, I'm just curious, like the dichotomy of Keaton Mitchell of like, he is an undrafted rookie. Not even that him being undrafted matters. He's been there as long as all the other rookies have, but miss some time. Haven't seen him in pass pro, but also they are forcing him the ball in the pass game. He is lining up out wide. He is running routes like real ass wide receiver routes and stuff. Uh, very fascinating to me. So I, I don't know, man. Something's got to give. I'm, I'm probably going to hammer Rashad Bateman touchdown, I think, in this one. Maybe a uh, Rashad Bateman over, a Keaton Mitchell over rushing yards, and the under I feel pretty good about. But where do you where do you guys see this game going? I think I'm probably going to go Ravens win a, a narrow one here. I also like the under. Um, when you said that number 46 and a half earlier, um, my ears perked up. I feel like this has got some good like 20 to 17 vibes. I would love maybe. I would love to maybe buy a two points. Maybe maybe buy this to like yeah. 2016 maybe. Um thinking it's it's definitely the Ravens here. Um I mean I you got me thinking about Justice Hill here. I it's so easy to try to write him off but there's a lot that indicates that hey he got like, a he got a carry in the in the goal to go and it gets called back on holding. He had a touchdown. He had like a 7-yard touchdown but John Simpson got a holding call. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like that one a lot. I think, uh, I think we're, we're, we're due for a, a Zay flowers statement game, like one where he picks up seven catches. And, um, I know they're working him a lot around the line of scrimmage and, um, and intermediate, but I think, I think he may 
may break one for a long one here at some point, you know. So Maybe you like, like that flowers over longest reception, I think is the bet that it sounds like you like. I think you like an explosive reception. And let's see what that would be. I'm trying to find it on FanDuel as I filibuster here. I'm going to guess it's about 26 and a half. Here, I got it on um I got it on uh Barstool or ES I guess ESPN bet now. <laughs> um 22 and a half minus 114. Love it. Over. Love it. I'm I, I like to smash that too. Him Bateman. to have the longest reception of the game is plus 410. Bateman is 16 and a half, Odell 15 and a half. Aguilar 7 and a half. I I I I I guess I kind of like them all. <laughs> so, so everybody might like be laddering all of those. Eric, Eric, oh, what I do you did. got? What do you got when you look at Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson? Give it to us. <laughs> um, I was I was right around the score you guys had. I think I'm I'm gonna say 23-17 Ravens. I've, we've seen Thursday night games and they're they're just slugfests. Um, again, especially the physical game that the Ravens played on on Sunday and and the Bengals too. Um yeah, I mean, again, these guys, they, they both played full wire to wire. Yes. Physical games. A hundred percent. And again, it's, it's late in the year. It's getting to that point where no one is healthy. No one's even close to healthy. Um, but yeah, I'm going, I'm going 23, 17. Um, and I was looking at some of these too, like Nelson Aguilar plus seven fifty for a touchdown Ricard. They have him at plus 1600. I may use one of my $50 bonus bets on that. Just, uh, just uh, you know, feel just something. to feel alive again. I mean, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I thought it was gonna happen week two, um, when after Dobbins went out in week one, I was like, oh yeah, this is the week. And then like he hasn't sniffed anything close. But again, it's gonna happen. Um, Andrews, I feel like has been quieter the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, this past week, he he didn't get looked at. That's like th- that's something Harbaugh brought up. He was like, you know, people are talking about Keaton Mitchell not getting involved. Like we didn't get Mark Andrews involved as yeah. much as we wanted to. Yeah, they got to do that. Um, he had two for like 44, maybe. Yeah, and I, I'll probably do a Lamar anytime touchdown, too, because, again, this feels like a game where they'll be inside the five. It'll be like the third quarter, and it'll be like 9-3, and then he'll just take He has it. a way higher rushing touchdown rate at home than he does on the road. Yeah, and it, and again, it seems like in division games, especially primetime, like primetime, I would love to know how many how many touchdowns he's run in on primetime games at home. Got to be. I mean, it's a decent amount. I feel like uh, first Bengals drive outcome punt plus one hundred five. <laughs> Easy, cash it. Jamar Chase to record a reception on the Bengals' first drive. He is the number four most targeted player on scripted drives, meaning in the first fifteen plays, they like to give him a little four yard, little just a little hitch or something. They just get him a little. Here's the football. It's like the opposite of what the Bills do with Stephon Diggs. It's like, we're going to make sure you touch the ball really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that one, too. I and like again, especially one. especially with Marlon probably out, you know, they'll be like, hey, here, take this against Brandon Stevens and uh, and and go do something. Deuce 1042 in the comments here pertaining to the Ravens. They don't throw the ball enough for everyone to eat. Yeah, they don't. That's Ravens true. are the best rushing team in the NFL uh, in terms of EPA and success success rate. Uh, they run the ball a lot. They have the best rushing quarterback of all time. Yeah, they they don't throw the ball very often, as opposed to other teams. So, all 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 great points there, um, man. Just someone just said Thursday night slop fest, and it's just like these teams are banged up. 
somebody who, who this is where I ask the question, who else goes down? There's going to be some, some guys that are sore laying on the ground, like having to get off for a drive, a couple drives, a couple snaps, um, things like that. So that's, that's just the question. Thursday night games are our survivor. It feels like more so than anything else. So uh, I know everybody's like working this game up to be like, Oh, finally, after the bears, Panthers, it's Bengals, Ravens. It's like, it's two AFC North teams on a short week that play each other very closely for the most part. So uh, maybe that makes it more exciting. Maybe there'll be some, some fun stuff, but I could very easily see this be a, a quote unquote boring game. And, and you like to call it like, Oh, it's a defensive battle, but it's just like, I think they're all just fucking sore. I think everyone's tired. Like, everyone's sore and tired. Here you go. Um, yeah, Jamar well, Chase, Mark Andrews to score plus four seventy five. Eh, that's not right. bad. It's not bad at all. Mm-mm. The uh, we'll win this game twenty to sixteen, and it'll be ugly. And the national pundits will be like, eh, I don't really don't know if the AFC North has the juice, you know. And I and think we'll, if the Ravens we win, it's it completely. I, I disagree. I think if the Ravens win this game, they are. It's going to be like the Browns game didn't happen in terms of all the pundits and stuff. It'll be like, oh class of the AFC beat swept the Bengals. Uh, you know, this team can get it done. Blah, 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 blah. I, I think that whole thing flip flops. Maybe, maybe you're right though, but uh, either way, the Ravens will be getting a much needed mini buy followed by a buy. So not a lot of Ravens football following this game. We'll be breaking it down. I don't know about tomorrow, but maybe Friday, maybe tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably now that I've, we've talked it through, I'm probably going to take Isaiah likely anytime touchdown. Rashad mm-hmm. Bateman, anytime touchdown. Pat Ricard, anytime touchdown. <laughs> and uh, the under. So I think one of those guys hits. But we'll be keeping on and keeping on. Any any fleeting thoughts about Gunnar Henderson, Brandon Hyde, the state of the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, fellas? I just, I want to see one of your reaction, or I want predictions from you guys of what Harbaugh is going to give us, like the Harbaugh face. I know Jake's always really good at it. Jake is good at I can't, I can't even, I can't even do it. Um, it'll, it, it'll occur right before the half. I think it'll occur right before the half. A penalty or like, like, a, um, 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 Harbaugh will go. Tucker, Tucker will miss a long one or something like that. And they'll think that there was a penalty or I don't know. It'll be something weird. Yes. Yes. Right before the half is my, my prediction there. What do you All think right. his face would have looked like if he was, uh, Sean McDermott on, on Monday night? <laughs> for as tough as that Browns loss was at least they're not the Josh Allen led Buffalo Bills losing to Russell Wilson at home in prime time they stink they're not gonna make the playoffs the Texans Texans might win the South they could the Texans and the Jags both have a joke of a schedule remaining yeah I'm not ready to build uh bury the Bills I think they're gonna be the team that nobody wants to play wildcard weekend they're going to be like nine and eight or whatever. They're going to be like a 10 and seven. Yeah. And they're going to get matched up against, I mean, could, could be us. I don't know. I don't know. Um, One of my, actually and, I did see, I think. Uh, we I think will have preferred to have been matched up with. The AFC South. Or, one yeah. of the other AFC North teams that gets in. Or, I saw Ben Baldwin ran. Going to play someone bad. Ben Baldwin ran the the, the 10,000 simulation thing twice to find the most likely uh, playoff matchups. Ravens two, Bills seven, and Ravens three, Bills six were both on the most likely matchups for the two seed, seven seed, 
and three you know seed, six seed. Um, on that, so you, you can't analytics. tell me you feel like as great about that matchup as you would others, just because it's like. I think that's a, a I think that Deshaun Watson shows what the the Ravens' weakness is like a big, strong, athletic quarterback that can break sacks. Like the Ravens don't finish plays well against athletic quarterbacks. They have a lot of like sleek front seven guys that are like slim and fast and can't tackle Josh Allen. It's going to be interesting to watch Herbert next week with that. I'm going to be scouting him at Lambeau on Sunday, actually. Love that. Oh, how many, how many tippy cows? All of them. How many tippy cows? All of them. Let's just that's, say lot, lots of spotted cows. That's right. That's what it is. Tippy cow, something else. Spotted cow. You, that's how we know that you're back after your Sunday escapades. It's, it's Wednesday night. You've got a nice little smile and you're thinking about that. That spotted cow <laughs> hitting the lips, hitting that stash, the spotted cow, just tickling that upper lip. You better believe it, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm ready for lot H tomorrow, man. I'm lot H tomorrow. So that reminds me Thanksgiving. This is the beginning of Thanksgiving, which ends on Thanksgiving. And peaks next Tuesday evening, somewhere around eight o'clock. We are going to be doing a live stream. We be bringing in some guests. It is going to be the boys chilling, hanging out, talking ball, talking life, talking turkey, literally and figuratively. So Nobody make sure to. We uh, talked about turkey, really. You're being a you're being a jive turkey right now. I'll tell you that much. You know that turkey has a thing in it that makes you tired after you eat it. I, I have. This is you're telling me this for the first time. Yeah, nobody's nobody's talked about that before. Tryptophan. Didn't know that. Never heard of that. Yeah. So check out Thanksgiving. We'll have some graphics coming. Um, I'm pro- maybe I'll make us our own merch. I might just make us like a little podcast merch. A little, little Brian turkey head, something like that. We're gonna do like a merch drop and stuff. Uh, boys got boys got this tired. Is, boys got this late. isn't about me. It's about the bank. It's about that big old purple glowing thing right over in the there heart of, in the heart of one of America's. Most charming cities. The one that Amazon proudly highlighted right in the middle of their ad on Instagram. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet yesterday <laughs> with that. It was Camden. How bad was that? Just weird. The Bengals, the Bengals uniform looked awful too. It did. Also, Burrow was wearing, I don't like Burrow had a seam yeah. on his undergear. Yeah. So it looked like they dropped a, an outline on it or That's dropped like, a stroke on it. And it looked really peculiar. We, sh- uh, Amazon. I'm not going to rip on Amazon because I'm friends with Sam Schwartzstein who does the prime vision. I uh, he say he's going to give me a call tomorrow. Talk, talk a little Turkey uh, about, about the Ravens. Uh, I, I like prime vision a lot. The one thing I don't like, I told him this, if you ever watch prime vision, they do the, the name tag on the player. Like it's the Sims or something. <laughs> and I told him like that has to go away before the snap, because then when they start running, it's like, yeah, it's, all, it's all jumbled up. Um, yeah. But check that out. If you're not watching lot H, if you are listening to this, we we have the uh, the Jack Settleman settle up uh, snapback sports situation going on tomorrow in lot H H one. Um, that is a ticketed event that sold out, but that's just for food and drink. So if you want to come say hi, if you want to come hang out, if you want to BYOB, bring your own Brian. Come on down, bring a Brian to go meet Brian, myself, and some of the fellas. We'll be having a good time. We'll be living it up. So Brian will be. Uh, Having having a little 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 drinky poo, getting back on that horse. I got to drive to Wisconsin the next day, so <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I'm gonna go Baltimore Ravens twenty two, Cincinnati Bengals nineteen to cover.
three and a half. Uh, final predicty there. So with that, we appreciate you for listening. Like and subscribe if you are listening on YouTube. If you're not, we would appreciate if you did, if you could, if you can subscribe, that'd be sick. Shout out to all of our sponsors. We are presented by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, who we are hopefully looking forward to doing a lot of fun things moving forward. Go check them out. Uh, they did a really fun combo with Chaps Pipif. Ch- Chaps Pipif just opened their new location. Uh, no free ads. Hashtag free ad. I'm going to go check that out sometime in the next couple of days. You Chaps. Do. So Dude, it's good. so good. Genuinely, like, so good. that's the best thing in Baltimore. Like, Yeah, that's that, the best thing in Baltimore. 100%. Yes. Yes. For the people who probably listen to this podcast, that's the best thing you can do when you come to Baltimore, especially if you're not from the area, you don't know about pit beef, go check that out. Black Eyed Susan Spices, you can find it every Ace Hardwell. I had to go buy a little, little drill bit earlier, go put my Spenny, Spenny Spotlight up on the wall back here. Uh, you can go find Black Eyed Susan Spices. I've been cooking. They gave us that Cannonball Crush. Oh my God, I've been cooking with that. So delicious. You drank it, didn't you? I drank a little bit of it. It's yeah. it's got an orangey orange crush flavor to it with a little spice. It's a, it is a spicy. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Very good. Check that out. Fed Thrill sunglasses. Promo code exit fifty two. Go get your thrill on. Check out some sunnies there, and of course, smoothafproducts.com. Check out their line of hours shaving, grooming, cleansing products like their lavender CBD shave lotion. They have a new location opening up, Clipper City in Fells Point. Go check that out if you want a fresh cut and you're visiting Baltimore or you live around Baltimore or if you just like to snarl at the camera with your clean little mustache mustache like Brian. Fellas, it's been an hour. This was a fun one. We're going to do a long one next week. Ravens, Bengals, Thursday night football, four primetime games out of five, three games, 11 days. We're sprinting a marathon. Let's fucking go. We appreciate everyone who listens. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. See you. Thank <laughs> you.